0: To to Mariners Podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganassius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. Tonight, we are going to cover uh, the game that concluded a couple hours ago between the Mariners and the New York Yankees. It was a matchup of George Kirby against Garrett Cole. Uh, bats were dormant again. J.P. Crawford potentially is injured. Uh, not the greatest of outcomes for the Mariners in this matchup. There are some silver linings that we will go over. We'll talk some solutions as to what this offense might be able to do. George Kirby changed his stripes a little bit. We'll examine that as well. Um, so let's get started. Mariners lost uh 3-1 to one to the Yankees. George Kirby gave up one run. In the bottom of the first inning, two runs in the bottom of the second. And that proved to be it. Uh The Yankees got eight hits off of Kirby in seven innings. The Mariners only mustered four hits in this matchup. George Kirby went seven innings. He did right the ship. Uh Ended up surrendering eight hits in seven innings, three runs, three earned, no walks, four strikeouts, and one mm-hmm. home run to Billy McKinney. Uh, 95 pitches, only 14 of the 28 batters faced were first pitch strikes. That ended up being a part of his downfall. He is now six and six with the loss and with a 3.29 ERA. Ty Adcock came in, pitched one inning, struck out two batters. Looked pretty good in the process. Garrett Cole, on the other hand, goes to eight and one. The 2.64 ERA, he went seven and a third innings, four hits, one run earned, one walk, eight strikeouts. Clay Holmes went 1.2 innings to pick up his ninth save. So, Mariners bats, nobody uh, had more than one hit. Uh, Jared Kelnick was the only player to get on base twice, one walk and one double. Um, His double was the only extra base hit that the Mariners mustered. It was just I don't know, it was a, a poop show, you know, for lack of a better term. Uh the offense really didn't look good. JP Crawford and ended up uh hurting his shoulder, colliding with the runner. Uh couldn't really see it on TV, but then he came out of the game, Dylan Moore replaced him and looked pretty terrible up at bat against Garrett Cole. A lot of a lot of batters do. Uh Julio went 0 for four, was doing his chase thing, and no one else really did much. Um We'll talk about each Mariner's hitter individually uh, in a little while here. But again, the bouts were just, they were dormant. They were quiet. Uh, What was interesting about George Kirby in this game is he really changed up what he was doing uh, after surrendering the home run to to Billy McKinney. The home run was on a 3-2 count um, to McKinney in the second. Uh, Harrison Bader was on base. It was a sinker that was up in the zone, kind of middle in, uh, that McKinney rode out to right field, and it was pretty clear that the Yankees were able to really sit um, on a particular velocity from uh, George Kirby, right, in that 96, 97-mile-an-hour range. His velocity was up in this matchup, 1.1 miles an hour on the 14 fastball. He averaged six eight. And on the sinker, 1.3 miles an hour, average 96.6. But if you can sit on those velocities, eventually you're going to find a pitch that you can hit. Uh, what he did after surrendering this home run and going down 3, three zero, was he started throwing a ton of sliders. So he threw in the third inning, so that was in the second inning. In the third inning, he threw three straight sliders to open up the at-bat to uh, Labor Torres and he threw eight more sliders in this inning. So that's 11 sliders that he threw in the third. He threw two in the fourth, five in the fifth, two in the sixth, and eight in the seventh innings. Um, slider was his most uh, used pitch in this matchup. Uh, 33 total sliders for 35%. So he's 35% slider, 29% percent 4 fastball, 25% sinker. And over the course of the season, he's been 41% four-seam fastball versus 29 in this game, uh, 22% sinker versus 25% in this game, but only 16% slider, and he was 35% in this game. So he really did lean heavily on the slider. Uh, once I think he realized that the, the Yankees were sitting on that one velocity and potentially doing damage. The other really scary thing about George Kirby in this game is that he... Got 43 swings and only four whiffs, which is really poor. Um, That's 9% whiff rate. It's ugly. Um, Even below average stuff typically gets more whiffs than 9%. So again, I think that pitch mix, um, varying velocities, throwing uh, fewer strikes. He did only throw 12 first pitch strikes out of 24 batters. I think getting ahead is still important uh, for George Kirby, but then wasting pitches is going to be important because that is one of the ways to get whiffs. Another way is to make balls look like strikes and strikes look like balls. It's something that Greg Maddox used to do. And while George Kirby is not Greg Maddox, he certainly has uh, elite command and I think could start to try to do more of that, especially with his sinker against left-handers. But He survived, you know, he did surrender three and three runs in seven innings. He, that is a quality start, but it's, it's an ugly way to do it. And I think he's going to have to continue to change his pitch mix and his approach. Um, if he's going to uh, continue to succeed because four whiffs and 43 swings is, is just not, it's not acceptable. And especially for someone with the quality of stuff that he has, um, there was one at-bat that I did want to point out by the Mariners. It was um, the one that I think everyone will see on Twitter and on TV. It was Jose Caballero against uh, Garrett Cole in the seventh inning. Uh, in the third inning, Caballero had a six-pitch at-bat that ended up in a line-out. Uh, in the fifth inning, he had a four-pitch at-bat that ended up in a single. So it's ten pitches in, five, in two at-bats between Caballero and Cole. Caballero is very clearly uh using the pitch clock and the new rules, I think to his i'd say advantage in that he is um trying to get under the skin of the pitcher, draw it out as much as possible, try to bend the rules as much as possible. He's being a pest, he realizes that that's one of the ways that he can stick in the major leagues is um being a an aggressive player, right you see him trying to take an extra base he has t- ten stolen bases already. He gets deep into counts. He fouls pitches off. It's the kind of player that is, does not necessarily put up great numbers, but makes the players around him better because he gets deep into counts and he frustrates the pitcher. So in the seventh, um, he had a six-pitch strikeout against Garrett Cole, but he had stepped out of the box and ang- very clearly angered Garrett Cole, as whose third pitch um, was way – like high and inside not even at Caballero's head it was probably 15 feet off or you know 10 feet above his head um clearly a purpose pitch uh garrett cole made a pretty smart remark about it after the game uh saying that it was you know a changing eye level which is pretty funny but he was clearly frustrated with him um But I like that from Caballero, even though he struck out, I think it, it served a purpose. And uh, I want to see more of that from the Mariners. Uh, the opposite is Ty France made a really bad error on a ground, on a grounder to him and was smiling afterwards. And it was clear that George Kirby was perturbed by the fact that Ty France was smiling. Um, that edge that you get from Caballero, the edge that, you know, uh, I think Jared Kelnick shows sometimes, certainly Teoscar Hernandez shows. Um, Julio shows with aggression and JP Crawford shows at times Mariners need more of that. They can't be satisfied with um, first pitch outs or letting a pitcher get comfortable in the same way that George Kirby needs to be more aggressive and uh, come inside more. Um, So I like that from Caballero against Cole. uh, And he's been doing that consistently all year long. Uh, But that really, honestly, it sounds funny to say, but, that strikeout was probably (laughs) and Caballero's approach to Cole was probably the best thing the Mariners did offensively in this entire game. Um, So with that, the Mariners go to 35 and 36, nine games behind Texas and the AL West and four games out of the last wild card. The Yankees are 40 and 33, nine and a half games out behind Tampa Bay and second um, tied for second in the wild card or, Tied for the second wild card, excuse me. Um, Tomorrow, it looks like it's going to be Luis Castillo against Domingo Herman. I will preview uh, or talk about those pitchers tomorrow. Not sure if the pod will be before or after the game, but we'll talk about both pitchers tomorrow. What I want to do right now is talk about the Mariners offense a bit, um, kind of what the prognosis is, kind of what. Some solutions may be for each individual player who I'm worried about, who I'm not. Uh, JP Crawford, uh, provided that he's not hurt and going on the disabled list, I think is doing what you would want from JP Crawford. He's not an elite uh, offensive player. He's not even, he's barely an average offensive player, but he is running a 349 on base percentage. And that at the top of the lineup um and getting deep into counts is, I think, the Mariners' best option at the top of the lineup currently. He doesn't do much else. His OPS is 698. He's four home runs, only one stolen base. But as far as um taking pitches, getting on base, uh, I think he's doing a very good job. I, I'm not worried about JP, J.P. Crawford at all. I will say if he is hurt and out for any significant amount of time, Mariners' options are pretty poor. Uh, Dylan Moore ran a high walk rate last season, um, has hit for a little bit of power and has some speed, but he strikes out a ton and he looks really overmatched by Garrett Cole. He's the kind of player that I think pretty quickly would get exposed if he had to play every day. I don't even love him as a part of this roster. So starting him every day at shortstop to me is not the best option. Uh, it's pretty clear that Colton Wong is washed, uh, He may come back on a different team at some point in time, but he's not going to be a productive Mariner. I think that's clear at this point. Sad to say. Again, I'm not overly critical of that signing because I think that his numbers over the past couple of years say that he would have been an above-average offensive second baseman. Um, Something happened and he fell off. Jose Caballero is a player that can play both second and short. I think, honestly, the best solution if JP is down in my mind is – um, that the Mariners would move Caballero to short and bring up Cesar Hernandez, who is currently 32 year old veteran in AAA, A, uh, played for the Phillies, played for the uh, Nationals, uh, is currently hitting .272 with the .436 on base percentage in Triple A. He ran double digit walk rates uh, for the Phillies between 2016 and 2018. He had 21 home runs with a little shift in approach in 21 he's a replacement level um, second baseman to me. He's sl- averaged to slightly below average defensively. Uh, he's played over 1,000 games at second base in the major leagues. He is a switch hitter. Uh, again, he also would probably get exposed in regular time and playing regularly. But if you were to play, the Mariners were to play Hernandez at second and Caballero at short regularly and then mix in. Um, Dylan Moore uh, against some difficult left-handed pitchers. And even if if Colton Wong is still in the lineup, maybe playing Colton Wong some at second as well. I think that that is not a bad solution uh, for the Mariners. They're lucky to have, I think, a, a player who has played as many games at second as Cesar Hernandez has and still has some skill. To me, that's the solve Um if he's hurt for a long period of time, then obviously you have to start looking at at potential trades. But I didn't see a whole lot else in the in the Mariners minor leagues that, that would be capable, I think, of um, playing a regular role. Maybe Mason McCoy, who played a little bit in the beginning of the season, but he doesn't look like a major leaguer to me. Uh, so hoping for JP's health. The lineup, I think, would have to get mixed up a little bit as well. But if JP is healthy, you know, I'm – satisfied with him at the top of this lineup julio is triple slash currently 240 299 in the 721 ops goes without saying that that's been incredibly disappointing thus far 12 home runs 15 stolen bases this is great fantasy production but we expected more from him uh he just needs to stop chasing and he needs to stop swinging so early in the count he makes tons of contact and i think that if he um if he took more pitches, I still think that he'd be able to make contact deeper in counts. And if pitchers weren't throwing – they're not throwing him strikes right now. and not throwing that many strikes right now because they know he's going to chase. His chase rate is actually in the eighth percentile in Major League Baseball, which is horrible, especially for a player that you expect to be in the MVP race. Uh his, uh, which is, it's at 37.8% versus league average of 28.4%. So he's almost 10% above league average as far as, uh, chase goes. And then his first pitch swing average is 40, or his first pitch swing percentage is 42% versus league average of 29.5. So 12.5% above league average as far as first pitch swing rate and chase percentile in the eighth, per, or chase in the eighth percentile. Those two things together say he's not hes not targeting specific pitches in specific zones that he can do damage with, right? He's just swinging, and he's so skilled and has uh, such great hand-eye coordination that he's able to hit it. But you don't necessarily want him hitting um, pitches that he can't do damage on, right? So Julio needs to slow down, take some more pitches. It you know, doesn't mean he has to get deep into counts. It just means look for some 2 counts, right? Spit on some breaking balls, unless you're looking for them or they're hung, and try to target something specific. Um, but his approach definitely needs to be shifted a little bit—not um, too, too much. I've said before he's a—you know—he's an elite talent, so you don't want to m- change his approach totally. But something needs to be tweaked for sure. In my ni- notes, I have Ty as high. Ty. Ty France is going to be 270. His triple slash currently is 275, 345, 763 and that's basically who he is. He's a 270 to 290 hitter, you know, 340 to 355 on base percentage in a 800-ish, maybe slightly below 800 OPS. He's not going to hit 25 home runs. He's probably closer to I don't know, 15 to 20. Uh, and he'll drive in some runs, but he is what I would consider a an average, maybe even slightly below average bat at first base in the major leagues. Um but the Mariners don't have a ton of options as of right now, so you know you're rolling with Ty France. I think uh, Tail Hernandez, um, his line for the year is two hundred and fifty, two hundred and ninety-seven, seven hundred and thirty-one OPS with twelve homers and thirty-nine RBIs. Uh, but I'm confident in in Tail. He's he does damage, and I think he's exactly what the Mariners need. He's exactly what they traded for. This month in June, his triple slash is 353, 431 and an OPS of 1.058. He's running a 12.1% walk rate, a 26% strikeout rate, and has a 195 WRC plus. Um he's hot and he is potentially carrying the team right now. And this is what you can what you come to expect with a hitter like Taylor Hernandez. A hitter as aggressive as he is with as low of a walk rate as he's run up you know, in his career and up to this point this year outside of June, he's going to be streaky, right? A player that puts the ball in play like he does is going to be streaky. And we're seeing one of those hot streaks right now. So I'm not worried about tail at all. Jared Kelnick is hitting 259, 330, 811 OPS with 11 homers and eight steals. Um, I think a lot of this production came earlier in the season. Uh, I've said it over and over again throwing fastballs to to Kelnick is stupid to be blunt um his double in this game was on a on a fastball I don't know why Garrett Garrett called threw him one uh he's only seeing 26% fastballs this season it's clear that that the approach is to throw him as many breaking balls as possible he's hitting 333 with a 698 slug against the fastball. He's hitting 250 against the slider, 162 against changeups, 091 against curveballs, 350 against sinkers, there's more velocity, and 217 against cutters. It's again, you throw him sliders, changeups, curveballs, and he's really uh neutralized. So he's gotta learn to hit breaking balls, or he needs to learn how to get into hitters counts where he will see more fastballs, but it's clear that he can hit any fastball at any velocity. Uh, Is there a reason to worry about Jared Kelnick a little bit? Um, You want to see him be able to hit breaking stuff, but as of right now, the production is still there. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say he's a, you know, productive player, a potential star, um, but wait and see and watch how he adjusts. Kyle Raleigh is, in the same boat as Ty France, Cal is Cal, 21, 302, 715 OPS. I think the OPS will go higher. I think you'll see more power from him. He currently has nine home runs, but he really is a true low two hundreds, low three hundreds OP or OBP, you know, mid seven hundreds OPS type of power hitting low average catcher. Uh Gino's interesting. So I did a deep dive on on a Eugenio Suarez. He's taken a lot of um a lot of flack so far this season. He's hitting 215, 310, 641 OPS. The 215 and 310 are not out of the norm for him, but the 641 OPS with seven home runs at this point, uh, I think is perceived as a power outage or lack of power from him. What's interesting when you look under the hood. With Gino, is that his average exit or his average exit velocity is up over last season by a mile an hour, 90.8 this season, 89.8 last season. His launch angle is pretty close to the same. It's 18.1 degrees. Last year, it was 19.9 degrees, negligible difference there. His bail rate is down to 11.4%, still double digits though. Uh, last season, it was 14.8. His hard hit rate is up to 46%, over 43.5% last year. His ground ball rate is pretty much the same, 36%. Pull rate is down 3.5%, but still at 42.6. He's hitting 4.5% more balls to center field, which is going to reduce his power a bit. Um, But really, honestly, Eugenio Suarez is a summertime hitter. Uh, He heats up as the weather heats up and the ball will carry if he's hitting the ball to the warning track now, which is a lot of what he's doing. Those balls are going to go out as it gets warmer. So he's a 503 career slugging um, hitter in August. And the only other month that he was um, in the high 400s is September, October combined, where he's a 474 slug. So he gets hotter as the year goes on. Um, And as you see with his exit velocity, his launch angle, his hard hit rate, his barrel rate, everything is pretty much in line as to what it was last season. So as long as the expectations are not that Suarez is a higher average hitter, um, but that he is a home run hitter that is going to drive in runs, I think that he's still who we thought he was. And there's not a ton of reason to worry Now, if we get into uh, July and August and he's still not doing it, then yes, we need to ask some questions. But he is who we we think he is. Mike Ford has really come down to earth. He's sitting 182. He's got four home runs. I think that he's clearly a quad A player um, who is starting to get exposed a bit. Uh, I do think that that's the position that the Mariners could most cheaply find a productive hitter is D.H., um that's where they should look in my opinion colton wong is washed as i said when hitting 157 AJ pollock is hitting 162 uh with four home runs i still think that he's not a horrible alternative as a short side platoon outfielder for the mariners he still provides some defensive value and is certainly fast and then jose caballero is hitting 239 but he has a 384 on base percentage and 10 stolen bases. He also has a uh positive Fangraphs WAR defensively. Um I love him as a, you know, 350 400 at bat middle infielder. Uh he is going to get a bit exposed as a regular, but for now he's a he's a player that I'm really happy the Mariners have on their team. Um no complaints with him. i am very surprised by him in fact. Uh, So again, if JP is hurt, I think you're looking at Cesar Hernandez as a a middle infield replacement, Um, but it could get kind of ugly. As far as, you know, overall helping this offense out, um, I don't think that, you know, you touch JP, Julio, Ty, Teo, Kelnick, uh, Cal Raleigh, even Eugenio Suarez. I think those guys are pretty set. And the the upgrade that would come at any of those positions isn't going to be significant, but it would cost a tremendous amount um, of either prospect capital or pitching. Uh, the places the place to really look to improve this offense is is DH and uh, second base. And I don't see a ton of second basemen out there. I know that that J, uh, JP Morosi talked a bit about. Uh, Jonathan Indy, I don't like that. Personally, don't like that upgrade much. Um, I think that, again, DH is the place to look. Uh, I've spoken a bit about this in the past, but the players that I like are um, Jorge Soler, the Miami Marlins. He would be a DH. Right-handed power, 149 WRC plus currently with 21 home runs. Is a threat to hit a homer at any point in time, any at-bat, any count. Jake Sawinski is a left-handed outfielder. Pretty good plus defensive outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Strikes out a ton, um, but a w, uh, 132 WRC plus, 15 home runs, and he has a 15% walk rate. I don't know that the Pirates would want to give him up. I believe he has four and a half years of team control left. But um, and probably would cost more than you would expect, but a player that would help the Mariners certainly uh, – I've spoken about Ian Happ. I believe this is the last year of his contract with the Cubs. Switch hitting. Um, corner outfielder, really, but he could play center or second base in a pinch. I think the Mariners would probably put him at second or DH him. Uh, 117 WRC+, plus, really not hitting for much power as of right now with five home runs. But he is running a 16.3% walk rate. Um, I looked at players with high walk rates in part because I think the Mariners need to, uh, need to get deeper into counts, need to get deeper into bullpens, need to um, just get on base anywhere they can. And uh, a player like Ian Happ has done that historically. He's also a switch hitter. And then Ryan Noda, the first baseman um, DH for the Oakland A's, he was a Rule 5 pick out of the Dodgers organization uh, this last offseason He has a hundred, a 140 WRC plus with seven home runs and 18.7% walk rate, uh, left-handed hitter. Uh, again, another high walk rate type of player that the Mariners could probably get on the cheap, but I think would improve this lineup quite a bit. Um, the Mariners just need to get on base more, uh, make, you know, it's clear to me that the Mariners face a a, a pitcher like Garrett Cole. If you're not going to make him work. You know He's going to continue to to dominate, and he did in this game. So are there solutions? Yes. Do any of those four players, Solaire, Sawinski, Hap, or Noda, cost the Mariners um, a top prospect? Probably not. Maybe Solaire. I'm not sure how in love Miami is with Solaire. I know that he has a – I believe he has an opt-out at the end of this year. Um, But it might be worth it, right, uh, to put a player in there who – I, I, he also has a double-digit walk rate. The Mariners need to lengthen this lineup. They need some help. Um, the pitching is there. You know, George Kirby giving up three runs in seven innings to the Yankees. Mariners should win a game like that, and it's quite disappointing that that they were only able to muster a run in four hits. Um, so tomorrow, Luis Castillo on the mound. You've got your ace. You've got your stopper. Uh, you look for the Mariners to really um, – to change their approach at bat a bit, especially against Herman, um, a big sweeping curveball from Diego. Herman does throw pretty hard, but, uh, lefties can do some damage against him. So we'll see, you know, what the Mariners approach is. If it's changed, uh, I sound like a broken record, but, you know, watch Julio, see how aggressive he is early in the count. Watch the pitch selection to, um, Jared Kelnick. Uh, let's see if JP Crawford is indeed hurt. Um, and then, you know, hope that Luis Castile has his elite command in this game, because um, when he does, he dominates. So Mariners will play at 4 o'clock. I believe it's a 4.05 start. First pitch tomorrow. Um, look to even up the series uh, in this game. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, next pod, in all likelihood, will come after uh, tomorrow night after the game. Um we'll review what the game what happened during the game, uh, what Luis Castillo looked like, and hopefully talk about a Mariners win. Again, appreciate y'all listening. Uh, this is the Mariners cast from Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior20, T-I-N-O-J-R-20, and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S, M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, you guys. Have a good night. Peace.